What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Professional Athlete Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, I'm your host, Ken Gunter, and if you've listened to the show before, welcome back. I'm really, really pumped about the episode that we have today. Uh, It features one of my really good friends from college, Kareem Maddox. I wanted to have Kareem on because in the basketball world, he's accomplished some pretty incredible things over the last few years, but what's been so mind-blowing to me is his story along the way. Um, It's just such an inspiring story. And there was a lot of things that I didn't even know. So lock in because this is going to be a really, really great episode. Let me tell you a little bit about Kareem's rap sheet because it's absurd. Number one, uh, he's a former co-captain of the Princeton basketball team. And in 2011, he helped lead the team to an Ivy League championship and a historic run to the NCAA tournament where they lost in a nail biter to Kentucky. So if you were paying attention around that time, no doubt you saw the uh, buzzer beater shot against Harvard to propel them into the the tournament. Uh, He was also named the defensive player of the year in the Ivy League. He was a unanimous all league selection. He then went on to play professional basketball in Europe. He spent time playing in Poland, Netherlands and England. More recently, he is a member of one of the top professional three-on-three basketball teams in the world. And a lot of you probably didn't realize that there was professional three-on-three basketball. (laughs) But there very much is. And uh, these guys are within the top five. He's played everywhere from Eastern Europe to China. And it seems like, just based on talking to him, that he's played everywhere in between. He currently is a member of Team USA, and within the last year, he has won a national championship. He was elected to go play in the FIBA World Cup and represent Team USA, and for the first time, he helped the USA win gold, which is incredible. You can think about this in the same terms as like the World Cup for for soccer or football, depending on where you're listening. Later that year, as if that wasn't enough, he went and won a gold medal at the Pan American Games, again, an elected representative for Team USA. And really, really exciting, three-on-three for the next Olympics, which was originally scheduled to be in 2020, and now, with all the craziness, is getting postponed to 2021. He was elected as a qualifying member, only one of four people to represent Team USA in their qualifying bid. So he's not a lock to be in the Olympics yet, but I mean, he's, he's damn near close. So right now he and these guys are kind of on hold. That's an update post show being recorded. But again, I mean, this guy's about to be in the Olympics. It's incredible. So if that isn't enough, what's absolutely ridiculous is that he's doing all of this with a full-time job. I can't tell you enough how interesting the story is of how he pulls all this off. So lock in. This is going to be a really inspiring episode. I personally, even though I know Kareem, was not aware of a lot of the things that kind of took place and kind of how he got to where he is today. There's been a lot of twists and turns, a lot of moments where he had to take a gamble on himself. So I I think, you know, regardless of why you're coming to listen to the show, I think you're going to be able to take some things away from this that are going to hopefully help you take a risk on yourself. With that, if you've reached out recently and let us know what you think of the show, we greatly appreciate it. We're really working hard to put together a high quality show. So thank you for letting us know. And as always, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating or a review. It certainly helps attract new listeners. And, uh, you know, we've been really fortunate in that we've had an incredible quality of guests to date. And I'm so excited to announce some of the folks that are going to come on the show here in the next few weeks. 
but those things really help as well. So if you're enjoying the show, leave a rating. We appreciate it. Also, stick around for Run It By My Wife after the interview. I'm going to catch up with Sonia. going to talk about our key takeaways. And without further ado, let's welcome Kareem Maddox to the show. I gotta get up. I got too much to do. Yeah, I gotta get going. I gotta talk to you. It's time to start the show. <laughs> so you're now you're out in LA, right? Yeah, back in LA. Uh, moved back around February first. So, um, yeah, it's been a couple months now. I'm just getting back into the swing, man. You gotta figure out what's cool again. It's been so long since I've been here. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So that, that that's kind of like the uh, w- one of the first things that. I would love to talk about. And I guess for people who don't know, um, it'd probably be worth diving into your athletic background a bit. So you and I know each other from Princeton, right? Right. Um, but uh, you've been doing quite a bit since then that I think people would be interested to learn a little bit about. So, uh, you know, at Princeton, right, you were, uh, what was it, uh, Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah, Ivy League Defensive Player of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year? Uh no, but I did win that award for like the Princeton team. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But it was weird. I think they gave me the uh, basically the equivalent of like the MVP and the six man award. So um, then they split it amongst <laughs> separate like a few players, which is just it was weird. I think they were just like, just get these. Let's finish this. <laughs> Let's get the season over. With. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, I got but, you. I got you. Um, so, yeah, so you had an amazing, amazing collegiate career. Uh, took the team, won the Ivy League championship, took them to the NCAA tournament. Uh, and we were split seconds away from beating Kentucky. Yeah, I don't know man. if people remember that game, but, oh, I was oh, there. I remember that it. Was, I remember that, yeah, for I know, everyone. I, I know you do. I know you do. So, <laughs> so how was that, man? How was that playing in the tournament? Dude, playing in the tournament was a, was a really cool experience. I mean – you know, it's funny because we started this Princeton career um, as freshmen and we won like six games our freshman year and then like maybe 10 our sophomore year. And so, right. you know, the buildup and the anticipation was really there um, to make the yeah. tournament because we had never made it. And so um, we get in on this crazy buzzer beater shot. I think, you know, you were at every game, so you probably remember yeah. it better than I do. Um, <laughs> and then, um, you know, getting there was awesome. It's just like, you know, you see... You know, I noticed several things, several things jump out at me about the tournament. One is just like the NCAA and like the uh, the machine that it is in like putting on this this massive event. And then you right. see like how into it, you know, we were playing Kentucky and we saw how well Kentucky fans traveled. And, um, you know, you were in the stadium again. Like it was, oh, yeah. little, you know, you guys in the little corner and then uh, <laughs> the rest everyone else was like Kentucky. Right. So Kentucky um, blue. Yep. But then, like, the crowd kind of started shifting, you know, for us when we started doing well because of those other teams that were in the, you know, West Virginia and the UCLA fans that were in there. Yeah. Um, So I remember that. And then, you know, I think the biggest thing was, like, I remember too late that, like, um, or or we all realized, like, collectively, since that was our first time in the tournament, that's why I think NCAA tournament experience is really important for, you know, your mid-major teams. And you see Ivy League teams winning, uh, you know, first round, second round games in the tournament yeah. now. But um, when we got on the court, 
we realize that the gap in talent is like, you know, nowhere near as large as everyone thinks it is. Like once we were out right. there, we're just like, okay, like, you know, they have a couple guys who are probably league, but other than that, like, you know, our team is a better team. We're like more experienced. Um, right. And we should win this game, actually. And if we had known that coming into the game, I don't even think it would have been as close as as it was. You know, I think we would have won by a lot more. But, right, you know, revisionist history, I guess. No, no. And, and I mean, um, so that's something that I've always thought about. And you see it a lot, especially with college football, too. Uh, you know, in those early season games, it's like that talent gap. For the guys who are playing, it's not as big as it may initially appear. Right. And to your point, like there's definitely like those studs on Kentucky who are going to go in the first round. And like, those guys are, those, those guys are as, as uh, legit as it gets. But when you start talking about like the actual discrepancy between like how talented you guys were, um, it became apparent, you know what I mean? Like I, I would argue watching you play, you looked more athletic than most of the guys on the court, and that included the studs of Kentucky. Like I, oh, you were jumping well, thanks, over man. people, shooting turnaround gays. <laughs> I was like, "Let's get Kareem in the league." <laughs> yeah, I know that movement. I think that was right before things started to go viral, but that might have been a, a viral opportunity there. I know missed opportunity. <laughs> um, so, so how, no, man, how, how was sure. that experience actually? Like the actual like playing in the game itself. Dude, the game was it was it was great. I mean, um, the game was, you know, it was. I think we started off down a little. We came out like a little bit shell shocked. Like you know, we we weren't used to playing in these like massive arenas and um, in front of like all these people. Um, so we, I don't know. I think the game we might have started off like down nine or something. Um, but right. then just guys started to make shots. Like Doug Davis was like, "All right, well, I'm just gonna do what I always do," and like you know cross, 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 jump shot, like make it. Right. And then we're like, oh, okay. Like that was easy. And then, like, you know, um, we just started going and we realized like, all right, let's just do what we've been doing all season, which is like play as a team and like yeah. stick to our principles and run our stuff and just trust whatever coach was saying. Like, this, you know, we were playing against like, you know, Brandon Knight and um, Deron Lamb, like Terrence Jones, Josh Harrelson, right. like all these guys. Um, and, our coach was like, look, like Brandon Knight, when he goes to his right hand, he's an NBA player. When he mm-hmm. goes to his left hand, like he wouldn't even make this team. And so <laughs> we're like, all right. And so we forced him left all game. And the one play that he got right, that he got to his right hand and drove to the basket, um, ended up being the one the one basket that he made. Right. And yeah. it was the winning yeah. basket. He, you guys basically <laughs> shut him down. And actually, you were on Knight most of the game, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't, you know, I don't take credit for shutting him down because literally he couldn't go to his left hand. Like he just didn't, he couldn't. We forced him left, or just sat on his right hand, and he just wouldn't do it. He would just pass it, or he would, you know. Yeah. And then we watched the next game, and I think they played West Virginia next, or maybe UCLA, and they were just like, "We'll do it, like let him go right all day." And he was just like killing, and looked like an NBA player, and we we're just right. like, "This is crazy." <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so that you know, I take, I think it's definitely like a team. Uh, the, it was our principles that really, you know, kept us in that game and, um, you know, gave us a chance at the end there. Yeah. So, so thinking about the game, like, do you, did, were you able to kind of appreciate like this, the spectacle while you're in the moment or, you know, after those kind of that, the first initial moments, was it just like any other game for you guys? Because and yeah. here's why I asked as, as a bystander at home, right. I mean, like, 
the reason March Madness is as incredible of an event as it is is because of those like Cinderella story moments, you know? And like totally. you guys, you guys were right there and taking one of the better teams in the country down to the wire, you know? Like I've just kind of right. always been curious, like what what's it like uh, actually being in the moment there? Yeah, being in the game is just it's it's totally like just any other game after a certain point, like once you realize the you know, like all right, we can, you know, Princeton is famous for back doors, right? Like we run mm-hmm. a couple back doors and we get them. We're just throwing the same passes we've been throwing for the last four years. <laughs> and like guys are making the same layups right. that they've been making for the last four years. And, uh, you know, after that point, we're just like, all right, this is this is a regular game, um, mm-hmm. you know. But then we got to halftime and, you know, maybe down five or something, down four or five. And um, we're looking around and we're just like, all right, like we stuck to the game plan. Like, let's go out and play the second half of this game. Like, just like we're going to play it. The You know, the everything about it was as expected. Like the refs were like extremely fair. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, we had no complaints about the refs. Right. Um, the only thing that was weird was like timeouts were longer. But, you know, mm. I think mentally um, it felt after a certain point, it was just like, you know, we started to realize like the way we've been winning is the same way that we would, you know, we'll have a chance to win this game. Um, yeah. And we realized that, you know, at some point, like, you know, five, six minutes into the game. Right. And you know, it's funny hearing you say that back. I feel like there's a lot of parallels just to life in general, right? Like often <laughs> yeah. like the, oh, and I just had a, a podcast about this, but the anticipation of the moment uh, is kind of so much bigger. And then once you kind of actually get there, you know, it, you realize like it's not as daunting as it might have first seemed. And if you can just kind of like rely on the things that got you there, you know what I mean? You can typically be pretty successful. No, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's all like, you know, everyone looks way better on TV and you just right. see those guys on TV all the time and, you know, you don't see yourself. So, um, totally. I mean, that was actually a big lesson, like just from a mental standpoint is like, right. You know, Literally, until you play someone, you step on the same floor and play against them in anything. Like, you don't, like, you know, like, if you, if you're confident in the work that you've put in, like, until you actually step on the floor with them, you don't know. You can't say if they're better. Like, all the, literally, like, all the talk, like, all the hype, like, whatever anyone else says, like, other people's opinion, especially, I feel like a lot of the times, like, these basketball, when it comes to college basketball, for instance, like, yeah, the people analyzing it, like, haven't touched a ball or like haven't touched a ball in years. Um, right. So, and I don't know, it's just filtered through, like, I'm sure, you know, you know, I remember watching you um, do the D 10, like a few years ago, <laughs> absolute monster. And nah, thanks, um, we're all like looking at that, um, that guy who wins it from San Antonio or whatever comes up oh, every yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And we're just like, Kenny's better than that guy. Like everyone's hyping this guy, you know, obviously, you know, it's the D10 and probably not a lot of people know about that outside right. of like, you know, greater New York area, but we're just like, Kenny's better than this guy. Like, you know, I don't know his <laughs> name. He seems like a nice guy, but, um, you know, I'm sure you have the same, you know what I'm talking about? No, I do. I do. And, uh, you know, I even think back to, playing college football. You know what it was it, where it really, uh, I started to feel that way. It was like in high school because like high school recruiting and the way that like the media picks up certain athletes or certain teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think that you're, you're walking into a buzzsaw, 
You know what I mean? Right. And then like, yeah, it's like, man, oh, this guy's such a stud. He's a five star. He's, he's on another right. level. And then you get there and you're like, oh, wait a second. Like yeah. I can actually okay. compete with this guy. And on top yeah. of that, like, I actually think I can take advantage of him in some ways. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. So yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah it, it's like, you really can't let, um, all those talking heads build it up. And right. so actually all, all, on that point, like what did that game, and I, I don't mean to like, uh, overemphasize how important that no, was no, for you. Totally. So stop me if it, if it <laughs> wasn't, but you know, like what, what did that game and I, you, and for people who don't know, you had like an amazing performance along with a lot of the other guys on that team, you guys balled out. Um, but, but what did that game in particular do for your confidence? Oh yeah, dude. It was, I think it was, um, it was really important. I mean, again, like, you know, playing mid-major basketball, you just don't get to match up against the, you know, the Kentuckys or the Dukes, like all that often. And when you do, mm -hmm. it's typically like at a time when you're, you know, at a complete disadvantage, like, you, you know what I mean? Like you're at, um, yeah. you're going down to Duke to play like Cameron Indoor and like refs are, you know, letting people step on people's heads, like literally like this happened when we went down to Cameron. Um, <laughs> and so like, you so know, insane. Yeah, yeah, no, it was the most, it was the craziest. Anyway, um, so yeah, but, but no, totally. I mean, I think, uh, I, and I, that's why I say I wish I had realized that we'd been able to play in a tournament game, like, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior year, so that we get this realization a lot earlier. But, um, like, it's just basketball and like everyone's just human, right? So, um, yeah. and we know, like, we knew how much work we had put in and like, I knew all the hours I spent. Uh, I knew all the shots that I'd made. I knew all the moves that I had practiced. And so, um, but you never just got to test it against like, you know, the people that they say, you know, quote unquote, they say, and mind you, that team that we played did go to the final four, um, right. that, that, that year. Um, but you know, it was funny because it, it did a lot for my confidence. Like, you know, cause I went overseas and played afterwards and, you know, obviously I'm still playing three X three basketball now, but, yeah. um, it, it was like. I ended my college career I was, with this realization. I was like, oh, like I could be as good and in most cases probably better than these guys. Like right. college ball's over. Like that's it. <laughs> yeah. like, that was your last game. Like so. Hell of a time uh, to come to that realization. Yeah, yeah. I was on the plane back um, with, it was just like, damn, that's, uh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So, and it wasn't like a fluke either. You know what I mean? Like, Literally everything we planned to do, we did. We're like, all right, this game needs to be in the 60s. Um, we need to play, like, defense. We need to force this guy right. This guy can't, you know, and we just got to keep this guy off the boards. And, like, we did most of those things, but just, like, not enough, right? So, yeah, um, yeah, uh, that's where I was at. You know, it's funny. And when I think about that kind of experience that you had, one of the things that I found in my life, and now, like, I actually make a point to seek it out. And I think a lot of people who are successful and you know, what, whatever their own pursuits are is you've got to put yourself in situations that you're uncomfortable with to kind of find out what you're really capable of. Um, you know, cause it's, yeah, it's comfortable to stay in an area where like, you know, that you can do well. Um, and I'll give you an example, mm -hmm. like podcasting, right? Like I had that itch and I was like, man, you know, I think I could do this and I think it would be really interesting, but and there's a ton of like fear and anxiety that comes up with that. You're like, oh, what if it doesn't work out? <laughs> what if people don't, what if I suck? You know, what if it goes nowhere? But totally. um, until you kind of like throw yourself in deeper water, you know, you can't really find out what you're capable of. Um, and I think about this a lot too, 
you know, growing up, I was fortunate that my parents always like put me athletically in tougher situations, mm-hmm. you know, like if it was playing up a grade or yeah. playing on some travel team where we could face better competition by going out of state or doing whatever it was. And it was a lot of those experiences that kind of built that confidence to be like, no, I can do this, you know? Yeah. Um, and totally. I think there's probably a lot of folks who would be surprised what they were capable of if they were just willing to put themselves in situations where they were a little uncomfortable. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I think you're 100% right. Um, and, you know, from a kid's perspective, I'm sure that's why you became like a multi-sport, you know, athlete and you were able to do a lot of different things, you know, yeah. even though football yeah. was your calling card, right? That was, and well, and you know what I love to I love basketball. Um, and I just played for the first time. I actually, when we were on the phone the other night, I played for the first time in like an old men's league and, uh, okay. dude, I had a blast, but I was sore as hell <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. cause my body just doesn't mm-hmm. move that way anymore. So that again, like, you know, trying to do something that I haven't done in a while. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, basketball so will do for that, you, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we referenced uh, that you went to play on in Europe. Could you talk talk a little about your experience playing overseas? Yeah, man. It, it's funny. It's um, it's exactly what you were talking about in terms of putting yourself into situations you're uncomfortable with because it, it felt like that a lot of times. So I went overseas and I played in Holland or the Netherlands as they want to brand themselves now. Um, yeah. England, like Newcastle, the UK, like on the Northeast and in Poland um, after uh, a hiatus, which I can go into if you want. But yeah, um, but yeah. So, so, you know, those are all, you know, places that were different, um, you know, not so different because, the, you know, they speak English and in, in, uh, at least in the Netherlands, in the UK. But um, right. I loved it, man. It was just like a year at a time you you know, you're like a basketball mercenary. Um, right. you got a new team, a new coach and, you know, you're there to just get it done. And <laughs> then, you know, you're, you're kind of plopped into a place. They give you an apartment and a car and they're like, you live here now and <laughs> go figure it out. So, um, you well, know. And, and with regard to being a mercenary, I think a lot of people don't understand this, but a lot of these teams have like a cap on the number of American players they can have, right? Yeah, totally. Um, in in Holland, it was like a gentleman's agreement between the teams that you were supposed to have like three or so. Okay. Um, the UK, there was a there was a limit, but Poland had a weird rule where it was like there had to be two Polish players on the court at all times. Oh wow! So yeah. Um, so not and, even just on the roster, but like they would track and make sure there were like Polish guys yeah, actually you could have, playing at all. You could have 10 Americans on your roster, but like only three could be on the court at any given time, right? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. European basketball is like so fascinating to me. And you know what? I think as a kid, I didn't even realize that that was really an option. Like, were you aware of that? Or was that something that you just kind of got made aware of, like as your college career was starting to come to a close? Yeah, to, no, exactly. Like just as... I was wrapping up graduation, started, you know, hearing from agents and, you know, our coaches had played overseas. So we were like vaguely aware, but they didn't talk about it much. You know, they were always focused on the present. So, um, no, I literally, until I got over there, I was like, I can't believe they're just about to like pay me to fly over there and like play basketball. (laughs) So, 
And you were pretty successful over there as well. I know you, you're pretty humble and you probably, uh, I'm going to have to pull it out of you, but uh, you, you dominated <laughs> no. in a couple of those, couple of those years, um, didn't you? Dude, we had, you know, we had some good seasons, like for sure. Um, the Netherlands was okay. Uh, you know, I, I love that experience more than anything. Cause we had like three rookies on that team and um, all good guys, but we were all over there like together trying to figure it out. And we, we did fine. Um, I did end up getting hurt. And then, uh, in torn meniscus and that, you know, mm. that's, that's really hard with European basketball because if, you know, you're looking for a deal the next season, coaches are always going to be like, oh, well, you know, take a year, get back, like before we like pay you, <laughs> you know, so, right. um, cause the budgets, like you said, are, are, are limited and, you know, mm. they can only have so many Americans. So anyway, went to England and, um, you know, was great. Like probably, I think finished second in terms of, the uh mvp race towards the end of the right. season um but that was that was great i mean i learned a lot from england um i had a lot a lot of freedom um was able to like try things that i had never been able to try like on the basketball court and that was yeah. great and we had a great coach this guy fabulous flornoy his name is fab it. and um <laughs> it, there was a times article about him recently i think it was times or the journal um and he's on the he's on the staff of the the Raptors now with Nick Nurse. Oh no way! Yeah, and um, he's great, man. He's great. He's like he has such an amazing story. Like you gotta you gotta read this this article. I think it was the New York Times. Okay, but it's yeah, definitely I'll check worth it a out. read. Should drop that in the show notes. And is then he just um, a character. Oh man, is he a character, dude? He is like <laughs> he's he's I, I love the guy. Like he's really like I'm so happy that I have like. Fab Flournoy in my life, um, but he's a character, bro. Like, there's one time where he's he's also like the most disciplined person you'll ever meet, and he's like a fanatic about his diet. I mean, he was a player coach, yeah, and he was like 42 at oh, the wow. time. <laughs> and like, he would do these things to like keep his body right. I mean, there's one time I think they talk about this in the article, but. He, he did like an all banana diet and he ate like 40 <laughs> bananas a day. Like it was crazy. Like it just for whatever reason, like he, he'll read about it and he'll be like, all right. And then he'll just be like, he's just meticulous about his like, you know, body and, and everything. Yeah. Um, willing to experiment on himself a little bit. It sounds like. Yeah, totally. So, um, so yeah, anyway. And then, um, and then I actually, you know, as you know, um, I took three years off after that year in England Right. Um, and, and just, I went to work for like NPR station, national public radio, mm -hmm. um, you know, got put in some work as a journalist and a producer and a, you know, a host of, of radio programs and, um, you know, ended up in <laughs> Greeley, Colorado doing that and just woke up one day and was like, you know what, like, I, this is not for me. Um, yeah. not the industry, just the, um, just the, I guess, time in my life where I was like, you know, I'm still capable of playing basketball. And right. like, I was kind of in a rush to start this, like, you know, get into the real world, like quote unquote. Yeah. And I felt like that was really important, but that was probably the influence of, of other people as much as it mm. was, you know, me. Um, so anyway, I woke up one day in Greeley and was like, you know what, it's time to go back and play. I'll see who's going to, um, who's going to actually hire someone after three years of not playing. Right. Um, and I found a situation and a deal in Poland and went back and had a pretty good season. I think I, you know, um, averaged. So 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah, like yeah. Sorry, I think like I don't know, twelve and eight or something. And in a, in in the Polish league is really good, so I was oh, nice. proud of that. That's awesome. So, w- what did that process look like for you? That uh, when you finally made that decision, like, all right, look, I got, I got something left in the tank here. Um, how did you approach getting back into basketball? Yeah, so <laughs> it was it was crazy, man. So um, the situation was crazy, but basically, I don't know how much you know about Greeley, Colorado, but it's um, it's, <laughs> it's like a, it's mostly known for um, this big meat manufacturer. I think it's JBS. Oh. Okay. And it's not a ton of people. Um, and I was living up there and I would basically drive to like my job, which was hosting a show, uh, all things considered okay. at like, at like 10 ish. And I would see like no one on the road. Um, so I started, you know, going a little early and there was like this sick gym right next to, next to the radio station. Yeah. So I'd go in lift. It was like the biggest I ever was. Cause I was just like lifting for like hours. Um, right. Cause I had, I, you know, I really had no friends up there. Like I didn't, you know, I was like an hour from Denver where I did know some people, but, um, so anyway, like lift and then I would like just play basketball for a long time. Like just, okay. you know, get it, shoot it, like, you know, work on parts of my game. And, um, anyway, that's how I got to like, you know, I was doing it enough that I was like, I can still play. Um, and so then I was like, all right, how do I go about this? Like it's around the beginning of the summer. I can um, I can go play in some tournaments down in Vegas with some uh, agents. So a lot of like European agents mm. will hold like kind of like either pickup runs or like actually organized camps down in Vegas. And okay, you know, a ton of European coaches come over to just for for that reason. But also the uh, NBA summer leagues going on around the same time. Got it. So they come, they, you know, and it's it's also Vegas, and like these European coaches love Vegas. So right, yeah, um, <laughs> lots of reasons and, to be in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I went down and I uh, hit up my my friend, our friend Dan uh, McGrady's, right. and Dan McGrady's. Um, I was like, yo, <laughs> his old agent, because he played in Greece and Italy, and he had a good agent, and um. He's like, yo, put me in touch. I was like, I was like, put me in touch, and I'll and I'll see um, what kind of camp they're doing. And so they were running like a one day camp in Vegas. It was like three <laughs> hours, and I was like, all right, like I feel confident I can play. There's going to be all these European coaches go because this is a pretty good, pretty good agency. So there's yeah. going to be all these European coaches there, and I was like, I know I'm not in the cardiovascular shape to like actually play like if this was a multi-day camp i'd be in trouble if this was like any longer than like (laughs) you know a couple hours like i'm gonna be in trouble right i was like but i can tough out like three hours um because yeah i just my lungs were not there so anyway (laughs) like right before the workout i like i think i uh do you remember no explode (laughs) oh yeah yeah i was just like i hit like um maybe like two scoops of NO explode. I was oh like, let's go dude, three hours. Like I can do this. And bro, I'm telling you, it might've been like the best three hours of basketball I've ever played. Like really just out of my mind. <laughs> um, so much so that like all the coaches were like, all right, who is that? Like, w- like we wanted their coaches from like Lithuania, like good teams and stuff. And yeah, you know, the agent every time had to be like, well, they're like, where did he play last year? Like, how do we not know about him? And he's like, well, he's actually like a radio producer. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So, um, so anyway, there happened to be one coach there whose team was in Poland, okay. whose, um, 
team was in the second division the year before, but won the division. So there it was being promoted to the top league, which is oh, cool. a good league. And so he didn't have like basically a lot of budget. And he was like, all right, well, I can see with my eyes that this guy's good, but like no one else will take him because he hasn't played in three years. Um, he's like, but like, like forget it like i'm you know I'm, i can take the risk like i don't have the money like i can you know i don't have to you know obviously i wasn't demanding it wasn't exactly demanding uh nba money at that point right um, right, right and so he was like my agent was like dude it's a good league like you have a good season there you who knows where you'll be in the next season and that was kind of the thinking i was like all right cool and right was like, you're going to rural like southeast poland it's about two hours from anything cool, and <laughs> see you. See you when you get back. Right. So, so what is the hardest part about playing overseas? Yeah. Um, well, for me, I, I think a lot of guys just don't like being away from home. Yeah. Um, for that long, because you're there for like ten months at a time. But I, I actually oh, wow. loved it. I mean, so the hardest part for other people, I think, was was that. But I love it. Like I use every opportunity. Sometimes coaches would be like, "All right." Like you're off for three days and I'd be like, you know, later and just go, you know, drive to like the nearest big city or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think like initially when you get there, there's always like a learning curve. You know, I had to like, you know, figure out the translations for certain words at the store, like yogurt and like cereal. And so that I could like, you know, go into the store and ask people, like hold up my little sign and be like, where is it? <laughs> Where's the chicken? <laughs> um but, um, so yeah, I, and then I don't know, I, you know, I didn't find much of it hard. Like, you know, when you get into February, March and you just like really want to go home, um, from yeah. a long season, that's, that's tough, but that's also when you know you're about to be free. So I usually like, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I honestly didn't find anything hard about it except for like a little bit of impatience towards the end of the season. Uh, you know, I just really? kind of loved it and, you know, I had people visit and, um, I saw my family enough. I was able to go back for Christmas. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would have done it forever. I mean, the hardest part is kind of just actually the, you know, coming, you know, having gone to like a pretty good school and knowing mm -hmm. that there are opportunities out there in the professional, you know, in the, you know, quote unquote real world. Um, right. That kind of pressure and anxiety actually is probably the hardest part. Yeah. Like, why is that? I, I get why, because I feel <laughs> yeah. the same thing. Like, um, you know, when I was graduating, like, I, I definitely wanted to keep playing football and my career just didn't. I got injured all the time. And well, number one, like the NFL is incredibly hard to get into. Right. So even if everything had gone perfectly, they still might have been like, you know what? We're just not really interested. But like for <laughs> me, I was like, man, I just spent my whole life trying to be, you know, the best possible athlete I can be. And then like all of a sudden it kind of feels like the door shut. Totally. And, and then it's like, well, shit, what do I do now? And I remember, you know, especially in the Ivy League, right? You see people start to go into all these high paying jobs really early. It's like finance or they go to med school or they want to go to law school. And I was just like, you know, I just, none of those things are of interest to me, but I still, I kind of like felt that external pressure watching everyone around me go to, you know, into those fields. I was like, well, damn, maybe I need to look into finance. Like maybe I, maybe Dude, I, maybe I should be doing banking. Like, what am I doing? My parents <laughs> just sent me to Princeton. It's like 60 grand a year. Like, what are we, what am I doing with my time? <laughs> I don't think they wanted me to take a marketing job where I'm getting made paid like $35,000 a year. 
which is true in New York. <laughs> and which is what I did because I followed what I was interested in, uh, which fortunately has, has ended up working out really well. Cause, uh, you're doing gonna, great, bud. Thank you're, you. You're I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's hard, man, that pressure. And like for you, you know, basketball being something, and I hope I'm not assuming too much, but being something that you love, you know, like it's crazy that that external pressure could be strong enough to make you like, sec- you know, second guess what you're doing. Yeah, dude. No, dude. Like, um, for sure. You know, I would say I, I definitely like loved playing. always loved playing for sure. But um, yeah, I didn't realize my own potential. I don't think until that's when I was up in Greeley, you know, mm. so I was like 26 years old. And right. I was like, you know what? I was never as good as I could have been. Hmm. And I still have a little bit left in the tank, you know. Um, but I, w- I will say, like, going back to Poland for me was the um, hands down the best decision I ever made. Like, yeah. you know, and, and it and on the surface, it looked like just completely the wrong decision. Like from everyone was like, all right, you just spent three years like, you know, when I started in public radio, I was like, my goal is to be on air. Mm-hmm. So. I worked for three years to get there. Like literally had the job, the on-air job for like two months at that point. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and, and things were going going well there. And I had my network in place for for that job. And and I actually love that job. Like I love radio. I love podcasting. I love audio yeah. producing. And so um, so for those reasons it was wrong. You know, my 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 family is always supportive you know, in the end, like whatever I decide to do. Mm-hmm. But when I asked for advice, they're like, do not move to Poland. <laughs> <laughs> Don't move to rural Poland. <laughs> and you've mastered and, the English language and now you want to go play basketball <laughs> in the former yeah. Soviet bloc. And <laughs> um and objectively, like it was just like if you know, if you think about it, you're like, all right. And, and not to mention it was really hard to get a job in radio when I got yeah. back from playing the first time. Cause you know, I was two years out of school. I had like no experience to speak of. Mm-hmm. I started off like volunteering at my local radio station for like almost a year before, um, I got my first like full-time job. And, um, so the whole journey, it was like there. And then I was like, all right, like time to blow it up. And so anyway, that year in Poland, like when I landed in Poland, I was like, Oh my God, like you have to live with your decisions. And I have learned, I learned so much about myself. Like I became so much more confident in myself in ways that had nothing to do with basketball, just in like in life and decision-making and like trusting myself and my instincts. And, Mm. um, cause then when I came back, like I got a, a, you know, uh, uh, a better job in New York for this, like, you know, really cool, uh, Gimlet, this podcast startup company that I was listening to when I was in public radio, cause it had just started, Um, and this is, you know, fresh off the plane from, from Poland, basically. So I come Mm. back, I get like my dream job in New York city. Um, and it was because I was like, you know, I'm going back to play basketball in Poland. Um, and I'm just like, you know, trusting myself on this. And there were times where in Poland, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm seeing people back home get married and I'm like, you know, in this like random league, um, (laughs) next to Ukraine and Slovakia, (laughs) Um, and I, and I came back, I was just like, Oh my God, like, you know, I, I was able to, um, I'm so much better at like 
spending time with myself now, just being, you know, quiet. Like I don't need a lot of noise around me. Like I'm just, um, like content. Like I can watch my yeah. own thoughts because I had to like watch them so much to like avoid, um, going down, like, you know, spiraling at times when I was over there, like stuck on my couch, like, you know, watching something I can't understand. <laughs> right. You know, so, so, so yeah, what- I feel like what happens after Poland, because I'm aware of it, but I, I mean, everything up to this point is already like for most people would be, you know, experience of a lifetime. But what you do after, I think, is just simply incredible. But before we jump into that, you know, what was it that kind of made you feel confident in taking that risk on yourself? Because that's really what it was, right? Like you were kind of going against like conventional wisdom, like, hey, you finally got a good job. You, you know what I mean? You already for all intents and purposes kind of started late and now you're going to yeah. set yourself back another year. Like exactly. what, what kind of made you feel confident in taking that risk on yourself? You know, I, it was, um, I think number one, it was all the jobs I'd had. I'd been really diligent about like figuring out what skills that, you know, and so the three years that I spent in, in public radio, um, even the, the time I was volunteering, I was like, really diligent about like actually like working on the skills. Like I just didn't show up every day, but I would like, you know, push myself and be like, all right, this is what I'm learning. Like, okay, I could do this, this, and this now. And so, you know, even if I leave, I know I can still do those things because I've I've like actively like learned them. Right. Like I know I, that I'll, I'll be able to keep those and use those whenever I come back to it. Um, so I was confident in, in that. And then, um, the rest of it, man, was just like, kind of gut like and I had always been someone who you know I had definitely struggled with self-confidence like you know through college and Mm. um you know even you know even after and you know I was just like trying to find myself and I think there's like a lot of different reasons for that um but you know finally it was just like this gut feeling became so overwhelming that I was like I think the right thing to be doing is to is to go back and play like it doesn't make any sense logically yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, I'm a Sagittarius, so, you know, I'm kind of ruled by logic okay. <laughs> in many ways, but also <laughs> impulse. And finally, so, finally, we get some, uh, what's that called? <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> horoscopes, a, um, yeah, astrology, uh, astrology. <laughs> yes. Finally some astrology. I've been waiting for an astrology episode. This is how you snuck it in. Like, this is what the whole podcast is about. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, I can dive into my true passion. <laughs> Astrology. Um, okay. You know, Ruled by logic. Logic and, and impulse, you know, to some degree. So um, so anyway, it was just like it ended up being like a gut, a gut feeling that I was just like couldn't shake. And I was like, you know yeah. what? I'm really going to regret this if I don't go give this a shot and just going to have to like live with the consequences. But I'm just trusting that, you know, things are going to shake out for the best. And like I had no yeah. idea how they were going to shake out. But um you know, when I came back, this this job, you know, I, I really mean it at Gimlet was like a dream job. And it was kind of like I had the perfect story for it. Like it's always like the cover letter wrote itself. Yeah. It was like, you know, a show about entrepreneurs and, um, you know, who are inherently the people taking these like big risks to start a company. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a podcast. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is literally what I just did. And like, so, you know, I wrote the thing. I was still looking for deals overseas, but. You know, so anyway, yeah, I, I think it was a combination of to answer the question. Um, it was a gut feeling and um, and it was just confidence in the skills that I had already learned because I had 
deliberately like sought to learn those skills and made sure that I had them in my back pocket. And it wasn't just like yeah. something I throw on a resume. Like I worked here, here and here. It's like, I can do this, this and this. Right. So I think that's so important. I, I actually think about that a lot more now than I used to, but this idea of like, there's certainly experience, which is important. Um, right. But like the more skills that you can collect, that's what really makes you valuable. Right. And I think, you know, when interviewing for jobs, because in my current job and in past jobs, because I was at a startup, like I've interviewed a lot of people and the people who can communicate well, what skills they attained from their previous experience and how that's going to be applicable to the job that we're hiring for. Like those people get a real look and it's not always the people who have the perfect resume that get hired. It's the person who can come in and most convincingly uh, kind of communicate like why they're a good fit for the role. And I think to your point, right? Like, yes, you, you worked for three years and then you had like a hiatus, but you, you picked up those skills of interviewing, of doing audio editing. Right. And like, you're not going to forget those. And even if you did, like, it's going to come right back. Um, so right. I think that's, I think that's super important for people to understand. Um, the other yeah. thing that you said too, have you ever heard of like this idea of thin slicing? No. And, it's kind of this idea of like why you should trust your gut. Mm. And I'm not saying that necessarily completely relates perfectly to the decision you made, but it's this idea of um, your gut is kind of that gut feeling you get. It's actually the result of your, your body, your brain being able to make all these like split second decisions based on past experiences. Mm. Right. So like when you walk by someone and you just get like a bad gut feeling, you know, what's actually happening is your brain's doing all these computations based on past experiences and sure. based on past cues. Um, and they're able to kind of process that information and say like, hey, we've seen this before. And usually, <laughs> you know, when, when something kind of gives us this feedback, uh, there's trouble ahead. So I, I've made a huge effort myself. And I would also agree with you, like when I do follow my gut, more often than not, it was the right decision. Um, you mm. can, you can often, you know, like, and you didn't, it sounds like, but you very well could have like thought yourself out of a good decision if you sat down and just went like, well, logically, you know, I should do X, Y, Z. And even though my gut is saying this, I should probably stick with what my head says is the right decision. Right. No. Yeah, I agree. And I think like once you, um, once you like trust your gut on like one of those big decisions, I mean, I, I feel like mine was a pretty big decision. I just went with the gut. Like you just get such a confidence in what you're talking about. That like, okay, like, yeah, you know, I didn't know that there was a, you know, a word for it, but now I'm just like, when I feel it, I'm like, okay, then now, you know, I can decipher between like what's noise and like what's actually, you know, my mind and body telling me to do something. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's hugely important. So, uh, you mentioned the work that you were doing at Gimlet. So you get this new job, you don't go back overseas. Um, but if I, if I may jump to the next chapter, you get involved in three on three basketball. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. did, how did, how did that happen? And for people who don't know, explain a little bit about like how big of a movement three on three basketball has become internationally. Yeah, so so I was in Poland and they announced three on three is going to be in the Olympics in, in 2017, and this is something that we'd been moving towards for like as long as 2014 is when people when I heard about this movement to get 
basketball in the Olympics, three on three basketball in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think early on in those years, they were looking at it like, all right, there's volleyball and then there's beach volleyball. Well, at some point they added beach volleyball. It was just a mini version of normal volleyball. So right. that was kind of the, the idea. Yeah. And so it happened in 2017. And um, I had some friends who had happened to win like the USA national championship that summer um, and went and played for uh, the USA in the World Cup, the FIBA 3x3 World Cup. Right. Um, which oh, so is, you were, so you weren't on that first team, uh, on the first team in, I, I think it was 2017. Um, I was not, no. Oh, okay. Um, so that was like know, Dan Mavrady's Dan Mavrady's Craig Moore, Damon Huffman and Zaire Carrington. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. um, I think they finished, I think they lost in the quarterfinals to Serbia. Okay. Um, and so, and I think the year before it was this team of like, it was like Alfonso McKinney, um, I think like Steph Hanna, like these guys who were like NBA kind of kind of guys. Caliber guys, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. McKinney, I think, is still in the league. Um, oh, wow. But anyway, they lost in the finals to Serbia. Uh, okay. Um, so, um, so anyway, um, the World Cup has been going on since like 2012 or 2013. Um, so the sport's been around for, for that long. Um, yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, I even remember playing like we would go out to uh, like in Washington where I grew up. Hoop Fest is a pretty big tournament. Yeah. And it's three on three basketball. But, uh, you know, as, as I followed you the last few years and maybe you can touch on this. I mean, the game of three on three that you guys are playing like it, it is from an outsider's perspective, a mini game of basketball. But it looks like it has a completely different flow, a completely different set of rules um like it, it really is like a game into itself yeah yeah totally unique i mean um you know 3x3 now and and so i guess let's just start by saying like you know there's a professional pro circuit it, the model's a little different than like a league but mm. it's you know the fiba 3x3 you know fiba runs it and they run all you know the world cup of basketball five on five all that stuff um they're right. the governing body for most leagues around the world uh, outside of the nba yeah. Um, and so, so yeah. And, and they, their idea was to create this like urban sport that's more accessible, um, especially mm. in places where they can't just, they can't field a five on five team. You know, the best yeah. example I like to use is like Mongolia has a, has a, a team, a three X three team that performs really well. But you know, hmm. have you ever heard of Mongolia on the five on five? Like world no. Cup now, right. So yeah, that's actually shocking. So, um, and so in doing that, they, they made the rules like different and, um, kind of made it its own game, um, and invented, you know, all these, so there's like a 12 second shot clock, um, okay. it's continuous play. So there's no like checking up. There's no, you know, you make a bucket, um, if I score, right. like I'm immediately on defense cause the other team can just catch it, throw it to the two point line. You know, we play by ones and twos, they can throw it out and clear it. Um, right. basically, and they can shoot it right away. So if I like score, I, I don't really have time to rest. I have to go play defense immediately. Yeah. Um, and how, how long are the games? Uh, it's first to 21 points or 10 minutes. So that's what I was shocked by. Cause I, I went, uh, and I don't want to jump ahead too much. Um, so I won't give anything away yet. But when, when I came to watch you guys, I was shocked at how fast paced it was. Yeah, like it, yeah it, that's right. I, for those people trying to imagine it at home, 
I mean, it it is nonstop action, which actually makes it a lot of fun. Because uh, who who runs? Is it Ice Cube runs like that big three on three? The big three, uh, yeah. The big three, yeah. And like what you guys are playing, it, it's not even that. This is, <laughs> I mean, it is constant. That that ball goes through the net, and that ball gets kicked out, and that guy might put it right back up on the other team. Like it is, it really is instantaneous, and it's a lot. It's really exciting to actually watch. Yeah. No. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun to play. And I mean, you have to be in a different kind of shape for it. Like, mm. I mean, I'm more tired after a 3x3 game, you know, a 10 minute game than I ever was after a five on five because it's like, all right, 10 minutes of just straight sprinting. Right. <laughs> you know, um, and so, yeah, so I think um, well, it's and, really and, well suited for my game. Like, yeah, just the way I play. But, you know, that's another story. We can go into that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, you said something, too. That I think, because I, I, I've tried to explain this to people at work that my buddies are all trying to make the Olympic team, <laughs> um, and the, the idea that there's a professional three x three league, you know, like how, how does that work? Because you, you guys, <laughs> for people who follow you, it seems like every week you're in a different corner of the world. Yeah, that's that's definitely what it feels like. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's kind of like. Tennis, right? So okay. you know how tennis has these different tournaments. They have Wimbledon, they have the Australian Open, they have the U.S. Open, um, the French Open, like whatever, right? So basically, those players show up and they play in those tournaments, and then they move on to the next one. Those, but those tournaments aren't necessarily linked. Like you get points for all of them, but you know the U.S. Open, I don't think, is really related to like the Australian Open. So like those are different organizers. Australia organizes one, U.S. tennis organizes the other. Yeah. So that's basically what FIBA 3x3 is like. Um, so we'll basically play in these like one-off tournaments organized by local organizers in, could be anywhere. Could be Chengdu, China. We've played in Nanjing, China. We've played in uh, Seoul, South Korea. We've played in, you know, there's teams that have played in uh Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. Um, last year alone, I think we played in like 15 different countries from, you know, um, the story I tell is like, you know, I took two weeks off work last summer, um, flew to Italy, spent a day in Bologna sightseeing, uh, took a train down to Rimini, which is a beach town in Italy, okay. played in a tournament there. Um, my teammates and I jumped in a car, drove to Lausanne, Switzerland, like through the Swiss Alps, got there, played in another tournament. Um, spent the night in Geneva, got on a plane to, to, um, Budapest and then got in a car to drive to Debrecen, Hungary, played in a tournament there, actually did pretty poorly. And so then we just drove right back to Budapest and, and, um, had a little bit of fun cause we got eliminated <laughs> on the first day. Um, and then we jumped on this flight from Budapest to um, a place called Inji, South Korea, which is up near the North Korean border um, and played in another tournament there. And so it was this like two week stretch that was just like, you know, took us everywhere. Um, and, our, and, you know, at each one of these tournaments, our team kind of changes. But um, the yeah. way we worked out the schedule, I, I was just going to play in all of these. So mm. I was hopping around and guys were like flying in and out and maybe they played in two in a row and then they played in a different. So anyway, um, and you it guys was, are doing uh, pretty well most of these tournaments, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we're getting to the you know, semifinals or finals in most of them. Um, 
And, you know, I don't think we, we didn't, we actually, we didn't win a tournament until like September of last year. And that was the Los Angeles Masters Tournament. Um, no but way. we were great at finishing second. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> we finished second. But, you know, the way it works is like you get paid for um, how you finish. So first place in these lower level tournaments called Challengers, you get yeah. um, 15K for the winner, 10 for second place. Okay. Um, you know, I think no, like, no, that's no small amount of money. It's like that, does is that what funds a lot of this travel? Um, yeah. So actually, because we worked our way up in 2018 to the fifth best team in the world, um, okay. FIBA pays for the travel for like the top eight teams in the world. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, because I guess and they so, they want to they want to have the best talent at all these events because it probably exactly, yeah. it strengthens strengthens their own brand. Yeah, totally. And and you want to start to develop like a, you know, a culture and and some familiar faces and um mm. and so that's why you it's really important to, you know, finish top in the world, right? So to to get your um ranking up as high as you can. Yeah. Um so yeah, so they they, they so FIBA pays for most of the travel, but then oh, cool. like local that. organizers pay to host the events and you know, give out the prize money. Got um it. and put everyone up in hotels and and things like that. So very cool. Okay. So you're, you're traveling all over the world. Here's the one thing I've always wanted to understand is how the hell are you guys doing this and, and keeping full-time jobs? <laughs> like, yeah, dude, you, like, barely. okay. And remember the whole premise of this show is like, Hey, you're a working professional. You still want to be an athlete, but you guys are like taking that to like the nth degree because not only are you still like all, uh, you know, working like really, uh, successful, interesting, jobs, right? You're going out and you're competing at an incredibly high level, but you're doing it all over the world. Like, how are you guys, how are you, how are you guys pulling that off? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, at times just barely. Um, <laughs> okay. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, I, to give you an example of, um, you know, uh, what a typical like summer would look like would be, um, you know, I'd work like Monday. So I was working at, you know, Gimlet or, and, you know, ultimately we got bought by Spotify um, right. early last year. And so I'd be working, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, and then either Wednesday night or Thursday night, depending on where. If I was going to China, you lose a day. So I'd mm. leave Wednesday night. But if I was going to Europe, we'd leave probably like Thursday. Okay. Um, get to wherever we're going. Um, on, you know, the next day, cause we typically take red eyes. So show up wherever <laughs> on Friday Jeez. and, um, you know, get together, you know, maybe have like 10 or 20 minutes to practice as a team, talk over stuff, try to like get over your jet lag. Um, and then Saturday you play two games for pool play and the top two teams out of each pool of three teams goes on to play the elimination rounds. Hmm. And so Sunday is quarterfinals, semifinals, finals, uh, three games to, to win the thing. And yeah. then Sunday, um, you know, we, we'd usually, you know, try to like do a little bit of sightseeing after the tournament, go see, you know, pop around, have a drink, whatever. Um, and then depending on where we were, you'd get on a flight that night or the following morning pretty early. Um, and when you're coming from China, I would leave it like, you know, 8 a.m. China, uh, time in like, you know, let's call it Shanghai and show up in New York at like 9 a.m. 
on Monday morning. On Monday. And would you and go to work? Like, to just grab the grab the suitcase and just roll it into work, man. <laughs> did, now, did, you, did your job know that you were doing this? Yeah, yeah, totally. Or, or I was to taking, that extent? Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. They, um, you know, I would take, typically have to take like Thursday and Friday off, but just the nature of my job, I could work on the plane. So mm. I would just organize it so that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is when I had most of my meetings. Um, I needed to interact with other people. And then I would take like my audio and download it to my computer and just be able to work on it on the computer. Um, because the, you know, the other half of my job was like, um, writing the narration for our show and also just cutting the audio and organizing Mm. it in a way that makes sense. So I could do all that on the plane. Um, so yeah, so, you know, that's kind of how I, um, worked that out, you know, internally. Um, and then, you know, show up Monday, you'd be like, I, I think there was like one time in the first year that we were doing this. It was this during this crazy stretch where I went like, you know, and you, 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 it's like work life balance for sure. But like um, work pro ball life balance, like if you throw in like everyone wanting <laughs> right. to get like married and have bachelor parties, like that just added another element of madness. So there was like one week where I like flew to Dublin for a good friend's bachelor party Um like came back, played in a tournament, you know, like four days later and whatever, like China came back, like had to fly to Morocco for my cousin's wedding the following weekend. And then the following weekend was like tournament in like Europe and then tournament the following weekend. And it was like, I was coming back each time. And so this is before we had really I would figured love to out have like, your frequent flyer miles. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. No, the things I could do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was, it was bonkers. So so how um, how did uh, the jet lag affect your play? Because like I'll be honest, I won't take a red eye back from the West Coast to the East Coast anymore <laughs> because I can barely raise my kids. Like how on earth are you going and playing in like a competitive pro level basketball tournament? You know what I mean? When when you, when you're just taking these not not only like one red eye, but it sounds like some weeks like multiple red eyes over the course of a month it, through multiple time zones. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, you typically hop off the plane and like, you don't know where you are and like what time it is. Um, but that's kind of just three X three, man. It's just like, it's a sport where there's so many unknowns because it's played outside and okay. you never know what the conditions are going to be like. We've played in tournaments where it's just like, it's just windy. Like, it's just really windy and you're shooting a ball and it's like, you know, you can't, you can't shoot like basically. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, something that you've said before um, on this podcast, but it's just about training for it and just, you know, just taking yourself out of your comfort zone. Hmm. So, you know, I, for an example, like I, you know, I haven't run, I haven't, I hate, I hate running. So yeah. I haven't run more than like, I don't know, half a mile since, I was like 13, so like 17 <laughs> years ago or something. I thought you were going to say like since last year. Yeah, yeah no, like, dude, it's been like almost two decades. Yeah. And yesterday it was like raining in LA where I am. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to run four miles on the beach, um, you know, barefoot. And I was like, let's just completely throw it all, you know? And so, right. so I got on the uh, down to Santa Monica, parked my car and just ran four miles like barefoot. And I was like, I, I, you know, I don't know how I'm going to feel after this, but, um, that's just a way to take myself out of 
you know, what I've been doing, which is training for basketball and, you know, doing things right. that I know are going to be applicable. But um, that's just how I see 3x3, man. Like, you never know what it's going to be like. You never know which refs are going to show up. You never know, like, how people are going to play after you're off the plane. Um, yeah. So, like, just mixing it up on your body is just is actually really important, I think, from a training aspect to just be yeah. ready for anything. You know, yeah. there was one time in Moscow where we like this tournament was basically rained out and oh, wow. had this whole tournament of like 40 guys or whatever, however many it was, um, 40, 50 guys from all over the world, literally in a straight line, taking the Moscow like subway to like another <laughs> venue that was indoors, like, like. 10 miles away it took like three different subway lines and like it was in the middle of the tournament like we were getting warmed up to play and it was just like raining too much so we're like all right everyone like cool down like we're going somewhere else and like there's not a bus it was just like straight subway dude um, i love this and so like just you gotta so be ready amazing. for anything there's yeah there's i mean the times that stuff like this has happened like there's a time in malaysia we played it was like a monsoon like the water was like blowing onto the court and they just like kept it going until, you know, someone like literally made a move and I'm not joking, like made a move at the top of the key and like slid underneath like the basket. <laughs> and they were like, all right, we're going to like call this off. We'll finish this game tomorrow. Literally the game right. was like 12 to like nine. We were up and then there's like four minutes left. They're like, all right, we just got to finish this tomorrow. We're like, all right, well, <laughs> like, you know, then we had to play an extra game the following day. Like, so it's just about, you know, expect the unexpected and yeah. um, you just kind of get used to it after a while. You're like, all right, you know, ref will come out and be like, all right, well, uh, the sun is like right in your eyes over there. We're like, all right, cool. Perfect. Like, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so. I love it. I love it. Yeah. We had, uh, we had on, um, Dr. Greg Carton. He's a, he works at the PGA golfers on mental performance and, it's funny. He was, it, this would ties in perfectly to that though. He was, he was saying, look, I don't like to have guys over prepare, because if you just train in a box when you get hit with a curveball, you know what I mean? All, right. all of that preparation is now, if, you know, in some ways out the window. Right. Um, so for you, is, is it just like mentally, like you've just become more comfortable dealing with these, uh, these types of situations? Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, you need to like have a good attitude. I, I think that's the thing about... Is that what it is? That's, there's not a lot of like... Americans on the pro circuit. There's basically two teams effectively, like our mm. team and then the team from another team from New York. And then, but you know, there's like 10 Serbian teams. There's like a bunch of teams from Russia, a bunch of teams mm. from all these other places. Um, and I think part of it is because like Americans are used to like playing basketball in controlled environments where it's like, you know, right. you get out and you get <laughs> literally, like literally thrown into the stands. Like, I've literally been like fouled and thrown into the stands by someone. Really? You know, like, and it's just like, I don't even think it got called. And you're just like, wow, like that was, you know, that's right. illegal in some countries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> um, You'll end up in the paddy wagon. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, but yeah, you just have to embrace it. And it's just like, it becomes funny after a while. Like I enjoy telling yeah. you these things that have happened um, right. rather than being like, you know, this affected my performance and we didn't play as well because like, you know, the refs were on some BS and this and that. And it's just like, it's not about that. It's about like literally figuring out, it's almost becomes a challenge to like, all right, what like messed up situation is going to be thrown at us this time and like how are we going to get over it and tell people about it after you know so yeah it's a, it becomes a game 
Um, and it's it's fun, man. Like it's just it's fun. And the people watching, they don't they don't care. They don't know what's going on. Like they don't care that you just got off a red eye. Like it's it's just perform right. or don't. Like you know what I mean? Or, or try something else. I love that, man. I feel like if people can, I mean, there's so much to take away, but like just taking that mental approach into everyday life, you would be able to so much better just kind of like ride out these crazy, these crazy storms, you know, like, cause it's so easy, um, to let like unexpected events or uh, challenges kind of like rattle you and throw you off. But if you just almost start to see like those unexpected challenges as like part of the game itself, you know, and almost kind of like embrace it and enjoy it, like I'm sure you would just perform at such a higher level. Uh, Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, for every problem, there's a solution. And yeah, sometimes you just got to get creative, (laughs) you know, like you got to get creative and you have to like um, embrace it. Right. And, And that's the only way to move forward. I mean, three on three is definitely like a great example of it, Yeah, but it's totally applicable, you know? Yeah. So if we could fast forward, cause I know a little bit of how this story goes. Um, you guys start having a lot of success on the world stage, right? Can, can you talk about your, uh, experience with, um, getting to, to work directly with USA basketball and, uh, some of the success that you guys and, and members of that team have had? Yeah, totally. So, um, so my first experience playing for USA basketball was after the national championships last year. Um, what was it? 2019. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the national championships, just uh, again, for those who don't know, that would basically be the equivalent of USA basketball hosts this tournament to find out who the best three on three team is um, yeah. among all the people in the U S right. Basically. Yeah, basically. And, um, it's it's different in that like it's kind of open. There's different ways to get into it, but okay. like I said, there's not a real like three x three like infrastructure here in the states where it's much more organized in kind of different countries. But we're still new to this mm. um, in many ways. So um, USA basketball it's kind of like a new department for USA basketball, a new itch. Oh, like, it's been around for for a while, but um, only recently has it gotten really really kind of serious. Um, but anyway. Um, yeah, so so the so the national championships are held every year, and last year was a World Cup year. So um, FIBA was hosting the World Cup. It was going to be played in Amsterdam, okay. and for the first time, USA Basketball decided not to take the winning team from the national championship, but to take uh, a select team of the guys. Yeah. So you know, I was lucky enough to be chosen for that. It was you know myself, Robbie Hummel. Damon Huffman, um, those guys are both on my professional team as well. And then yeah. a guy named Canyon Barry. Um, Canyon plays in the G League for like the Iowa Wolves. It's, and yeah, and so he's still playing in the G League because he played at Florida. Yeah, yeah. I think he played at uh, Charleston and then transferred to Florida. That's right. Um, and, and then he's, is he, the, is he a grandson? He's of, the son of Rick Barry. Son of Rick Barry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not um, a bad, not a bad lineage to be a part of. No, no, has a couple of brothers that are that are in the league or that have played were in the league. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So shoots underhanded free throws. Um, That's awesome. FIBA loves that. They love. Uh, they love oh, it when I'm he sure. does that. Yeah, <laughs> and like then Ro- Robbie. The Robbie was actually in the NBA too. Yeah, right? Robbie played uh, two seasons for the Timberwolves. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you guys, so we've got Purdue. some, we've got some ballers on the squad. Yeah, yeah. All retired. Well, except for Canyon. Um, yeah. 
And so, um, but anyway, that was that was the team that they were like, all right, you know, first time we've selected a team and we're going to go play in the World Cup and, um, and, and we won it. And the selection, yeah, okay, sorry not to interrupt you. The, the yeah. reason they selected was that because the Olympics coming around the corner, they're starting to look ahead and they're trying to see like, hey, what, you know, who's the best combination of like U.S. athletes that we can put on the court to kind of like give yeah. ourselves the best chance at a gold medal? Yeah, kind of. I think it's because they had never done a select team before and mm. – um they were like, you know, this is getting pretty serious and we haven't had success at the World Cup. I mean, you know, finishing second place at silver medal is not bad in 2015 or 2016. Yeah. Um, then, you know, finishing in the quarterfinals in 2017 or whatever it was, um, you know, wasn't bad, but it's not what USA Basketball wants. You know, it's like right. we, we want to perform really well. Um, yeah. And so it's like, all right, let's try it this way. And so, you know, they did. And. And it worked. Um, you know, we went to Amsterdam. You know, we won every game pretty decisively. Um, awesome. And it was it was just it was just a great experience, man. Like for, it was the first time the USA had won a World Cup for three x three. Yeah. And so that's that's pretty important. You know, I, I think like um, we needed to make that statement going into an Olympic year, mm -hmm. and we were able to do that. And then later in the summer, um, I was selected again for the the first ever three X three tournament that's going to be played at the, that was played at the Pan American games, which are kind of like a mini Olympics for uh, the Americas. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so it's like North central South America, all yeah, those countries, it, right. Can, can put teams totally, in. Totally. Yeah, exactly. And um, so that was really cool too. I mean, that was awesome because that was, you know, the FIBA three X three world cup is awesome in that it's the highest level. <clears throat> um, international tournament for yeah. FIBA, but the Pan American games was cool because it was every sport and there was, you know, we walked in the opening ceremony and we were with like team USA, um, and our medals, you know, the medals we got, we won gold there. Um, it was a different team. It was, you know, me, Damo Jones, um, Sheldon Jeter and John Octius. So guys who are playing overseas or in the G league and Damo plays on that other three on three team. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, from New York, Harlem. And, um, so how, yeah, how does that experience get, I mean, I feel like as a kid, like I, I remember, you know, the dream team, like right. having that USA basketball Jersey now actually going out and competing on behalf of your country. Like what, what was that experience like? Oh dude, it was, it was like, it's surreal. Like it's still, um, it's still surreal. It's, it's funny. I, I tell people I, um, you know, I have those two medals from last summer, but mm. I actually put them up. Like I put them in a drawer um, because like there's still the big goal at hand, <laughs> which yeah. is the Olympics. Like that's that's the, you know, that's the one we've been waiting for. And that's that's the one I really want. So like I don't even want to be content looking at those. Um, I love that. Those medals. Um, so, you know, I'll bust those out after after next year. Um, but so, yeah, man, it's just it's really cool. I mean, actually, I can grab my. I can grab my jersey. It's actually standing. Oh right yeah, dude. Let me right see there. it. <laughs> All right. So what's crazy about it is that, um, dude, that's so awesome. The, the, the next question is, where can I buy one? <laughs> dude, I don't which, know. which 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 jersey is that? Is that for Pan Am Games, World Cup, uh, or is was, that a future jersey? This was the World Cup. Um, that's awesome. But it was the same the same one. We just got a separate, a different pair. For the, yeah, um, yeah, 
the Pan Ams. But it's funny because it's like we go down and see USA Basketball offices in Colorado Springs. And I mean, the other person that wore like a USA Basketball jersey, number nine, um, was Michael Jordan. Like, you know what I mean? So like, And I I think every time you play um, with, with USA Basketball, you get the same number. So they're consistent about that. So oh, cool. for whatever reason, they gave me nine, and I'm like, dude, every time Jordan played, he wore the same jersey, effectively. <laughs> like, yeah. Which is crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was all just became, like, super surreal after a certain point, man. Like, I, I'm just, like, head down. Like, I don't even want to think about it. It's just, like, it's time to it's time to work. Like, there's no time to rest yet. You know, there, there that, that, that time will come, but, you know, it's not now. So what what is it like uh, training at, like, an Olympic level? Like you, you mentioned, uh, that you've, you've been out to Colorado a bit, like, like what is your approach like right now as you're, as you're preparing for the Olympics? Yeah, no, totally, man. I mean, it's funny. It's like, it's, you know, kind of, we were talking a little bit about how when we, when you play against the highest level, like when we played against Kentucky in the NCAA tournament that, Mm -hmm. um, we did a lot of the stuff we'd been doing and we were successful at it. Right. So, um, you know, everything I've learned in sports from high school to college, um, all the good coaches I've had, all the good uh, trainers and, um, you know, whatever, you know, physical therapists, like every bit of knowledge, like just kind of applying it hmm. in a way that doesn't make it feel like a big leap. Like it's just like you just have to do all these things and you have to do them consistently. Yeah. Um, and when you're training and working out, you just got to do it hard. You got to do it at game speed. Um, yeah. And, you know, these are all things that I've done before, but it's always, you know, maybe the stakes have been a little lower, but it's just about being consistent and like, you know, again, going back to my experience in like Poland and trusting my gut and my instinct, it's, it's also about like listening to my body. You know, I'm 30 now, which is, which is a good age for a basketball player, actually. Like most guys in the league who are in their primes to playing really well are around, you know, 28 to 32. So, yeah, um, I feel good about that. Um, and it's just like this buildup of knowledge that now I, I know, I know more things that I, you know, when I was 25, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, so it feels, you know, it, it, it it's, uh, it's, it's hard. It's, you know, the, but the hardest part is, you know, is just consistency. Like it's easy enough mm-hmm. to get in a gym and work hard. Um, it's not easy to get in a gym and work hard every single day, right? Yeah. And find time and, you know, eat right and um, yep. make time for the things that have to be done. And, you know, sometimes life gets in the way and it's like 10 o'clock and you're like, all right, am I going to get this workout in? And the answer has to be yes. Um, yeah. And so that's basically, you know, that's how I'm approaching it at the moment. Yeah. And it's funny because like I think for people on the outside – you know, they would imagine like, oh, well, once and, and am I correct in saying that as far as USA basketball is concerned, like you've you've made the squad right now, the team USA just has to qualify for the Olympics. Is that correct? Well, yeah, it's um. so we've they selected the squad for the Olympic qualifying tournament. OK. And so um, that team actually could change. Hmm. Um, when the Olympics rolls around, theoretically. Um, but, you know, for us, it's like, all right, we have a mission and the mission is to like qualify the U.S. and this is the team. And so, yeah, let's do it. And um, whatever happens after that is, you know, TBD. But 
yeah, it's not even worth thinking about, you know? So, no, um, yeah, I, yeah. Um, um, and I, and I think one of the things we kind of touched on a little bit, but like the game is so unique. It's like, I have to imagine like one, you can't just drop any basketball player in and two, like team chemistry is probably incredibly important. So, um, that makes sense. And then, yeah. So you said something too that I think is just, it's really important for people to understand, but like now that you're at this level and I'm going to call it elite because that's what it is. Like, you know, hopefully you're going to go out and compete for an Olympic gold medal. Um, there's no like abrupt change to your approach. It sounds like it's kind of like sticking true. If I'm, if I'm understanding to the things that got you there and in your words, you know, it's just like, are you willing to do that all the time? Yeah. 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 I think that's a good, good summary. I mean, um, there's no need to like start looking for new and, you know, innovative ways to <laughs> like, you know, um, to, to skin a cat or whatever, you know, it's just about like, um, and I think what's, what I've been lucky, I've been lucky to have like really smart coaches and trainers and, yeah. um, mentors and things like that. So the principles when you're striving for excellence at any level, more or less the same, right? So mm. um, now it's about, you know, being lucky, being in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, I consider myself very lucky to be, you know, have a certain skill set and a, a certain height and like build and things like that. And so a lot of it's luck, but, um, but the actual tenets of, you know, being good, um, are the same they 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 haven't changed since you know since yeah since since now well and like you know and i know we're buttoned up against time here but did you ever imagine when you were, was it Greeley, colorado <laughs> yeah like did you ever imagine when you were sitting like an hour outside of denver uh, you know, working your way up at a radio station that you would in, in just a few short years, um, you know, be contending to be like in the Olympics representing USA. Yeah. No. Um, no, man, no, I, you know, I, uh, it always felt like a pipe dream, like not mm. only for me, but just for the sport, like, we're like, all right, when is this going to get done? Like we, you know, you, you don't, you're not really privy to how the IOC makes decisions about sports to add and, yeah. Um, you know, something about basketball, I was just like, I need to be playing. Like, I just need mm. to be playing. And, um, at the time it was like, go play in Poland. Um, but I think part of that, like, you know, it's almost like, you know, not to like sound like fanatical or, or like, no, you know, no, no. not to get into mysticism here, but, <laughs> um, you know, that year in Poland was super important because I came back and I was like in shape. I was ready to play. I was in basketball. Like I had been yep. playing professional basketball. And so that positioned me really well to do three X three. Yeah. And, um, so I, no, I definitely didn't imagine it, but like there was something pulling me towards basketball, like writ large and, um, following that has, you know, put me in, in the right place at the right time. And, given me, you know, enough luck to, to be able to seize it. And so that's what I'm doing, man. You know, it's like, there's going to be nothing worse, um, than, than squandering an opportunity like this. So yeah. it's just like, you know, here we are and I can't wait to like reflect on it in like December of this year or something, you know? Yeah. Well, and I talk, I was just having a conversation with Sonia the other day about this, like, you know, y y you kind of have to take that leap, um, 
because you just never know where it's going to lead, right? Like if you were short sighted and was like, Hey, you know, I'm going to go to Poland and like, what are kind of the outcomes of me going to Poland? Like what I'm going to rise up through the ranks in Poland, you know, like if you, if you just like were that short sighted with it, you might've talked yourself out of it. But like, to your point, going to Poland was a great opportunity because you learned a lot about yourself, but it also, it put you in a situation where when this new kind of unexpected opportunity presented itself, you were ready for it. You know, that's why I'm such a big believer in like, you got to just put yourself out there. And I don't mean like shameless self-promotion, which I'm trying to get my head around because I want people to listen to the show. But (laughs) meanwhile, (laughs) yeah, but it's like, you just, you never know what, you know, what new opportunity or what door is going to open from you taking some action. You know, like if you're at work and you're like just trying to decide like, ah, should I go to this meetup or Mm -hmm. should I go to this conference event? Like you might just meet one person at that event who opens a new business opportunity, or you might find that you meet a like-minded individual and it's like, Hey, like me, you know, there might, there might be something here around starting a new company. Like you just never know what opportunities are going to kind of come out of something that might seem not trivial, um, but not necessarily like a clear major step forward, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it totally does, man. And you know, it's also about surrounding yourself with, people who are and you know i'll I'll use this example like you know i you're a humble guy so you probably won't believe me but um you know going and watching you compete at the d10 and just learning about the work that you put in um you know while you have a normal job and and some a few kids to raise <laughs> and yeah. a family to to run um but you know talking to sonia about the the workout station you put in your your basement or whatever and like <laughs> yeah. knowing you know like I'm like you know I filed that away at some point where I was like okay I know um here's another example um in a different form of someone working really hard and making it happen hmm. and so that you know somehow you know filters into my mind it's like all right like you know at, at a certain point a workout's hard I'm just like all right well you know Kenny gets it done like, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. So it's, yeah. so, so it's like, you know, it's, it's possible. And, um, I think good influences like that. So, um, kudos to you, man. And, and, you know, even getting this podcast started, like you got a lot of other stuff going on and, um, you know, as I'm working on my media stuff, I'm like, all right, dude, Kenny got it done. Like he just, he, yeah. he's a, one of those guys who just gets shit done. And so, um, well, uh, thank you. I think surrounding I, I don't, myself, I don't believe you, but thank you. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, No, you're right. And, um, you know, it's funny, like you do need to be surrounded by good people and it helps when you're surrounded by people who are, you know, it seems doing incredible things, you know, and I I definitely count you among those people. Um, one last thing that I want to end on, because right now we are in the midst of a pretty crazy time and I globally, uh, with regards to the coronavirus, Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it seems every day uh, more and more major events are being canceled. And I sure hope with the Olympics still being, you know, a ways off, that's not the case. But, um, you know, can you talk a little bit about what your mindset is right now as you try and kind of like stick with your training with uh, again, and, and maybe after everything we talked about on this podcast, you've already kind of been prepped to deal with uncertainty, but you know, how are you staying focused during this time that, you know, uh, it, it'd be completely understandable if it was distracting? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it, man. It's just like, it, it's, again, it's, um, it's, it's kind of like you're 
you're training for for something that you're not sure when it's going to happen. And so that would be mm-hmm. an easy excuse to take a day off here or there. And um, I think just the challenge of not doing that for that exact reason, like, you know, I don't lose anything by training extra hard. Um, but, you know, right now it's it's like our Olympic qualification tournament got postponed uh, indefinitely. Ah. And so, you know, USA basketball FIBA, they're working on rescheduling it. And where was um, that, where was that supposed to take place? It's supposed to be in India. So, <laughs> so <laughs> some, really, yeah, yeah. Um, to my knowledge is not necessarily all that affected by the, the coronavirus, but, um, you know, travel right now is just like, is yeah. just hard. So, um, you know, we're confident that it's going to happen. It's just a matter of where and when. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's left to other people. I, I think, like you said, like it's it's easy to find a distraction, but it's just like you gotta you gotta train. I mean, for me, I was like, all right, great, more time to improve, like yeah, more time to get better. Like I, I can use that time. So um, again, it's like don't squander it by like being like oh, like I don't know if it's gonna, like whatever. It's just like all right, sweet. There's more time to like improve and put my best foot forward when it does happen. Um, I love that. So yeah, but other than that, I mean, it's just a, it's just a crazy time, man. Like it's just a crazy time. Yeah, no. And I think, you know, it sounds like what I'm hearing from you is there's, I always say silver linings and I'm usually being a jackass when I say it to someone, but <laughs> you you seem to be able to find like the positivity in anything, even in like getting thrown into the stands, probably in like Eastern Europe, (laughs) in I imagine a pretty hostile environment, Um, you know, like seeing that as like a challenge that like you enjoy overcoming, you know, for sure. Um, And it seems too like you're kind of embodying that mindset of like, just focus on what you can control, you know, and and not Mm -hmm. waste energy on everything else that's kind of going on around you, you know? Yeah. Would you say yeah. would you say that's is that a fair assessment? Is that true? I think I think that's true. And I think like the thing I would add is is um being able to observe your own thoughts. I mean, there's a few books mm. I've read just about on this topic, but uh, what is this the the untethered soul is a good one, <laughs> but okay. it's like, you know, you are not your thoughts. Right. And so, so many times like, you'll have these like negative mm. thoughts I love going that. through your head and, um, you know, I'll, I'll have the same thing, you know, and, and what I found is that a lot of times my mind will just produce excuses. I'll be like, you know, uh, this is why this isn't going right for me or this is. And like I start to observe that and then, you know, I can decide that like I'm not an excuse maker. So like these thoughts aren't me. Like they're just like, you know, what I've kind of been programmed to like, you know, find ways to deflect and, you yeah. know find take the easy way out and like i can just watch that and be like all right that's not me it's not me anymore you know so um mm-hmm. and and i think from that like just the default becomes like there's a lot of stuff you can't control in the world like whether it's right. sports or whether in life um wherever it is and like you can't if you can't control it like you just you can't let it affect the way you approach you know your business so yeah um I think the default, yeah, it comes out as like positivity, but it's really just like, you know, knowing that everyone's doing their best. Yeah. You know, no one's out to beat me. Oh, dude, that's great, man. Well, good. I I think uh, your story is going to be really inspiring for people just on a number of levels. Um, And I I think people are really going to kind of enjoy hearing about a lot of the things that you've persevered through. And then, I mean, now 
you know, in some ways it's like <laughs> where, where you've ended up at this point in your life is just, it's, it's remarkable. Um, so, Hey, so for people who want to be able to follow along, um, you know, how, how can they kind of keep up with what you're doing with USA basketball and as you prepare for the Olympics and, uh, as far as stuff that you're doing from your own media perspective, is there anything to announce yet? Yeah, yeah, man. Um, no, just just follow me on the gram, and you know all the news will drop there. Awesome. <laughs> you know, what's, your, at, what's your handle? It's at Kareem Maddox. Awesome. And so I'll that's K A R E E M, and then Maddox M A D D O X. Cool for sure. And um, and yeah, man. I, I think like um, I. Th- think there's a you know a couple couple articles and news clips i'll i can send you and you know cool. if you want to add those to the show notes just be a more uh just more background but love it yeah man we'll take we'll take it all um well good 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 uh well kareem man best of luck we're all excited and uh we know if and when you get the chance if this virus doesn't take us all down uh <laughs> you're, you're gonna bring home the gold so uh we're looking forward to it appreciate you man thanks for having me it's an honor dude yeah, 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 absolutely. Dad, mommy. You better go ask mommy, daddy. <laughs> well, welcome back. Thank to, you. To your own attic. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, happy, happy you could be here. Me too. Uh, so how are you holding up, babe, during Corona? I'm good. It's honestly, other than not being able to the gro- go to the grocery store, it's not too bad. Yeah, I know. I feel if the weather like... was nicer, it would be ideal. Because <laughs> we don't do anything anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Aside from like the kids not having school, for yeah. us out here coming off paternity leave, it's like not much different than what we've been doing. Yeah. Although we are missing out on some trips, not seeing family. True. But that's true. Important to stay safe right now. So. Cannon missed his baptism. Yeah, that's right. We don't talk religion on this podcast. Oh, okay. Holy cow. Uh, but yes, he did. But we'll get that. We'll get that figured out. Um, what'd you think of the show? It was great. I know. He's inspirational, really. Right? And I he, I don't know if he thinks of himself in that way. But that makes him even more so. And he definitely doesn't. Yeah. Because he's just, he's as humble as they come. Yeah. And he is the last person to like be self-promoting. Yeah. In any way, but like the stuff that he's doing and frankly, the stuff that he's doing with a lot of other guys that we know really well, Dan, Craig, uh, Z. Yeah. The stuff they're doing is just like incredible. It's so cool. So I wanted to have Kareem on the podcast for obvious reasons. Um, and we're, we, you know, anyone who just listened probably already knows what those are, but I just find myself constantly talking to like coworkers and acquaintances being like, you got to hear what my buddies are doing. Like they're mm-hmm. traveling all over the world while working full-time jobs. That was like number one why I wanted to have them. I just like wanted to like have him explain how they're pulling this off. Yeah. He's uh, a professional athlete in all senses of the phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Nicely done. <laughs> wow. Tip of the hat. Uh, yes. Literally professional. <laughs> still a working professional. He's actually playing professional three on three. And then he is literally at an Olympic level yeah. competing and training. It's amazing. What sucks is since that had been recorded, and for good reason though, the Olympics have been moved to 2021. Mm-hmm. You're aware of that. Yeah. We've talked about that. Yes, I'm, I've read the news. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know what you're digging into. I never know what you're doing over there. <laughs> but 
So there's some uncertainty right now. I th- my hope is that for Kareem and those guys, it's just one more year of training and preparation. But yeah, for these like Olympic athletes and anyone really who's had their life just completely um, <laughs> upended by this coronavirus, like I, where am I even going this? I, I, I just hope that it's a minor setback, but I, I can't imagine all the effort, all the time that they've put into training I and know. then just to have it abruptly canceled. Yeah. Well, like you said, I hope it's just one more year they get to hone their skills. Just hone those skills and come on my podcast. <laughs> yeah. So should we get into the takeaways? Yeah. Okay. Go for it. So these ones are again, a little bit more broad, but this like, these, these are more like inspirational. Like what I took away from talking to Kareem. Yeah. Uh, number one, w- one of the reasons I thought his story was so incredible trust your instincts, right? Mm -hmm. Like there were multiple times throughout like his, his life up until this point where he could have just done the safe thing. He could have just, uh, continued on the path he was on because that probably objectively seemed like the more logical choice, but because he was willing to like take a risk on himself and trust his instincts, you know, whether it was, um, leaving the, the radio job that he had in Denver, when he'd just gotten promoted to hosting his own radio show to go back and play professional basketball. Like most people would say like, well, you already did that. Like you kind of got a good thing going. Like you should probably just stick with that. Yeah. But had he not done that, like it, it likely it never would have opened up all of these other new opportunities. Right. For sure. Did you feel that way? Yeah. Yeah. I, that's like an uncommon characteristic though. Being able to do something like that. Yeah. I think back it helps over, to be single. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Kareem has no kids, people. So what he's doing is not that impressive. Okay. Well, no, being able to make that kind of decision, but yeah. having the confidence in yourself to make that kind of leap is also so impressive. Yeah, it's very true. And it's very hard to do. Like I, I, I can think about times in my own life where like I made the safe choice. You know, and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I kind of wish I would have taken me. a chance on myself. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, check down, safety check down. <laughs> no, but it. Yeah, no, I know. You know, like it, you're so you know, much easier to make the safe choice. It is, and there's a lot of like fear and anxiety that comes with like putting yourself out there. Yeah, and for him, not only was it like turning down the security of his current job, but it was like he's going to go down to this Las Vegas invitational and like put on display his skills in front of like European coaches guys three years of not playing, which is crazy. Right. It's wild. He didn't really seem like it, but there must've been a lot of just like crazy head trash going on. I would be, I'd be like, Oh man, am I really that good? Like, what am I doing here? Probably helped that he had already played professionally for a lot of years. That's true. That's true. And like, yeah, he knew what it would take. He yeah. knew how good he was. Yeah. I'm telling you, and people who are listening to the show who remember that game against Kentucky, uh, his senior year at Princeton, and all those guys, all these guys balled out. And they really should have won that game. Balled out. Yeah, that's sports lingo, babe. <laughs> are people still saying that? I haven't heard that since the uh, I don't know. What are the kids saying? Going ham? Or am I already like five years late to that? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm not the person know. to ask. I'll log into TikTok and see what's going on. <laughs> but it was like evident when he was on the court, he, I mean, literally just as good, if not better than these guys. 
Yeah, I remember when I met Cream, what was it, like nine years ago now? Like mm-hmm. when we first started dating? It was at Brojays, actually. I Shout met out Brojays. And you were like, he's going to the NBA. Did I say that? Yeah. Not because he was already, well, and I, I was like, have. probably he's so tall. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what can I tell this young lass <laughs> to try and get her on another date? <laughs> but so anyways, yeah, trust your instincts. That's a big one. It's also not easy to do. So kudos to Kareem. And if you're out there, if you're thinking about making a big jump, just do it. There's a reason you've been chewing on it. There's, there's probably some credence to it. Yeah. Something else someone told me once, if you are, uh, what's I'm, I'm going to totally butcher what they told me, but the idea is like, if you are like nervous to do something, <laughs> yeah. okay, I'm about to get, I'm about to get real. <laughs> it's probably because it's like a risk worth taking. Either it means something to you yeah. or like the potential outcome of that, you know what I mean? It, it is something that's worth, worth attaining. I like that. That's very wise. Well, hey, I'm a wise guy. <laughs> you are a wise guy. Number two, wordplay. Uh, number two. So we good? We can wrap that one up. <laughs> Let's wrap it. Wrapped. The importance of skill acquisition. Did you see that one coming? No, I didn't. Let me tell you where my head's at. <laughs> okay. So even though Kareem took these big like risks, right? It sounded like he was very conscious along the way of acquiring skill. Right. And so for me, it was really kind of embodied when, even though he went back and I believe he went, uh, maybe he went Poland first and then the Netherlands or maybe went Netherlands. I can't remember. It might've been Poland a second round time around, even though he went back to play professional basketball, like in the back of his mind, he was like very aware of the skills he'd built at the radio station. And he was very aware of like the skills he was acquiring while over there, even though his job was to play basketball. And it sounds like when he went to interview for this job at, at the time, Gimlet, which was like basically like his dream job, so to speak, right? He was able to effectively position like, look, these are all the schools I, skills I, I've acquired. Whereas like <laughs> some person might be like, sorry, our son Cannon is just, he's in her lap freaking out. He's having a ball. A lot of people be like, oh man, like I just missed out on like two to three years of experience. Like there's holes in my resume. But Kareem knew like, no, like I've acquired these skills. I have them and I bring this really unique experience to the table Yeah, and use it to his advantage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He definitely did. <laughs> he did. Thanks for the feedback. Sorry. <laughs> so no, but I do think this is important and I think that people are becoming more aware of this at large, but like acquiring the skill is like what you need to be paying attention to. Like the days of just like putting in your time somewhere and hoping that the experience and like time spent is what's going to get you moved ahead. Mm -hmm. It's, that's no longer like what's kind of relevant. Yeah. Especially in the professional world. Yeah. Is that true for you as a mother? (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're stuck with us. Um, all right, let's wrap that up. I didn't feel like there was great feedback on that one. You're not, you're not feeling that one. But no, no, it was, it was a good point. Okay. But you, you made the point. All right. Point made. And I agreed with it. Okay. Point made. Uh, last one, his story about three on three professional basketball. I loved that he had just like become comfortable with, uh, expecting the unexpected. Right. Yeah. What was your, what was your favorite story he told? Cause I have one. Oh, I like the one where they had to completely move. 
it started raining and they had to completely move locations. Like that's yeah. insane. <laughs> in I Moscow. Think it's it is like such a relatively new, not sport. What would you mm-hmm. call it? No. I, yeah. I think it is a sport because it's basketball, but it's, it's like a completely different game. Yeah. Well, so it's so new that it's just kind of like, he's kind of at the forefront of it all and they're just ironing out the kinks. It's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Well, and I love too, like this idea of like all these people who've flown from all over the world. Cause I mean, literally it's like, there's maybe a couple teams from the U S there's teams from Eastern Europe. There's teams from Asia. There's teams, I believe from like Latin America. I mean, everywhere. Yeah. All these guys come to Moscow to play in this big time three on three tournament. Did he talk about winning the Pan Am games? Briefly. Yeah. Okay. I know, which is like just so funny, like the amount of like milestones that he's hit in the last year that we didn't even like, we just kind of breezed over that. Yeah, he's very impressive. (laughs) But it's so cool that, you know, through all this travel and I got the sense that like there's months in the year where it's just probably like way too much, even for a guy like him, you know what I mean? Like he said at one point, like he loses track of days, time zones, where he is traveling that much. It's wild that he can keep a, like a normal job. Yeah. Yeah. But I just love the idea of like all these guys are at this tournament and they just cancel the last minute. They're like, Oh, well we're just going to like, uh, go 20 minutes away to like a Russian high school or whatever the equivalent is of high school over there. High school. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they call it. Uh, and I'm not going to make oh, yeah, any no, Soviet I jokes. <laughs> so for all our Russian listeners, uh, my favorite story was the one about him getting like thrown into the stands. Yeah. That's and crazy. no foul called. That's so crazy. Cause I remember growing up, like you all had that like rival high school with the hometown refs and you never got any calls. I feel like it's just on another level when you're at like <laughs> a, pr- oh, a, a three on three tournament in a hostile country. Hmm. I can't even imagine like what that experience is like. It's so wild. It's so cool. Uh, so becoming comfortable with adversity, uh, change is the only constant. Let me see if I can come up with one more. And you know, cliche. there's like, there's a lot of fans for three on three basketball. Cause I followed yeah. along on social media with Kareem and Dan when they were like on all these trips mm-hmm. and they have like people posing with them and oh yeah, like a ton of fans. Well, internationally it's a lot bigger than it is in the States. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the the other thing too is I thought he actually was a really good kind of uh, analogy. It's it's similar to like the rise of beach volleyball out of you know like, what would you call it like, traditional Olympic volleyball like yeah. indoor volleyball. I think they just call it volleyball. <laughs> but now it's like that's a big deal. Like I might not get all geeked up for like the PBA championship, but like I'm very well aware of like beach volleyball and some of like the prominent players. Yeah. You know, so I think it's probably just a matter of time. But I think to your point on an international stage, it's already there in some respects. Yeah. I think the fact that it's now an Olympic sport is it's just going to be so much yeah, bigger. Yeah. Only going to legitimize it. It's so cool. So it's so cool. So those are my three key takeaways. Um, you, oh, you know what? The other thing he said. What? Just consistency. Oh, yeah. Just doing everyone keeps saying consistency. So I'm going to look into that's, the, that's the theme of our podcast. That is, yeah. I'm just going to change it to consistency with Ken and Sonia. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to get some t-shirts made. I just got to figure out the copyright. <laughs> okay. But, uh, oh, I thought it was good. I, I really hope people enjoyed that one as much as I do just for the story alone. Like, yeah, you know, it's like a wild story. So many chances to quit along the way. And now with the Olympics being postponed, that's, that's just one more obstacle that I have no doubt he'll overcome. But uh, very, very inspiring. 
Very inspiring. Mm-hmm. All right. Who would have known he was into astrology? Yeah, I know. I think that's that might be a spin-off podcast. I actually did know because I helped him with his dating app or his dating profile once on one of those apps and he had something on there about it. Well, finally, we're getting to the meat. Okay, let's go with this. Talk to me. I can't remember what it said, but he, I, I realized then he was into it. It's like, oh. You know, I'm going to... He didn't tr- take any of my feedback for, well, for his profile. Yeah, like, I think he's got a good thing going. <laughs> yeah. He's 6'8", handsome, plays, plays for USA Basketball. Um, he might not need our help, but I'm going to tread lightly here. There's a certain type of folk who gets into astrology. What does that mean? A peculiar person. Eccentric. <laughs> Are you calling green peculiar? Not peculiar. That's the wrong word. And that's the opposite of treading lightly. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, so I had an internship with uh, a bunch of football buddies and I worked in a call center and needless to say, there were pretty long, uneventful days. So we would always start off the morning with our horoscopes. And over time, uh, we were brazen enough that we would read out the horoscopes for basically the whole office. (laughs) And what I found was there's a certain type of person who follows that stuff very closely. Yeah. It's a huge thing. A lot of people do. Right. I'll read my horoscope from time to time. What's it say? What are you? I'm a Leo. What's the characteristics of a Leo? Um... It, it's pretty accurate for me. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. That's good radio. <laughs> the people at home are like, oh, good. It's accurate. Leos are like strong-willed and fiery oh. and a little crazy. Yeah, that sounds about spot on. I'm an Aquarius. And if yeah, I, sometimes I read yours and it never sounds anything like you. Really? I read mine and I'm like, yeah, that's me. All I took from Aquarius was that it's... It's a little a lame. Sex, sexy good time. I don't, I've never thought that about your um, horoscopes. Gotta, it's always like kind of lame. <laughs> I got to look into where I'm getting my horoscopes. <laughs> okay. Well, once again, this has gone off the rails. So thank you for joining me. I'm excited to do this again. Me too. Uh, let's You're wrap welcome. this up. We have a couple really good shows coming down the pike really good guests. I'm pumped. This was a good one. Yeah. We've got some big ones. All of our guests are good guests. They are, they are, but I just, uh, they've already, you know, a couple of them already been recorded. The conversations are fantastic. So I'm really excited to get those released for folks. Me too. And, uh, I'm not going to say who's next because we are unsure. Coronavirus is throwing a wrench in everything. So, uh, it's making a little difficult to plot these out, but nonetheless, Let's wrap this up and uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week. See ya.